I talked about the engines. You have to be mindful of what the engine is. And if you're doing it for the adoration of others and not doing it for yourself, or the, the, and it's really easy to lie to yourself and the old programming comes in. And it is very easy to lie to yourself. And I sometimes find myself checking how many likes have I got? And then I go, hang on a minute. Why are you, what? Look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, it's about, this is a project for you. And if people are liking it, just that's enough. You know, it's that whole thing of that's enough. That was Miles Bingham, a.k.a. The Sober Trekker on Instagram, my guest this week on the Recover Yourself podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Martin John, the Recovery Mentor, and we talk all about the topics you'll be facing while on a journey to recovering yourself. This podcast is all about expanding the definition and scope of how we understand both addiction and recovery. I'm interested in doing this so everyone has an opportunity to recover themselves. This way, no matter where you are on that journey, there's a place for you here. We're covering a pretty wide variety of topics today, but they all point to identity. Who are you? Who did you think you were? Who do you think you are or should be? All of these questions tend to be a lot, especially when we're in some sort of life transition. And when is that not the case? We may very well feel like we want to have hard answers, but it is those hard answers that become the engine of our ego, as Miles mentioned in that clip. We are all being told how to be all the time, and every day, more and more people are vying for us to do what they want. Most of us can only identify parts of ourselves, and those are exactly the parts we are not. But we so aggressively identify with it that we can't see what is and what is not us. This kind of work is extremely difficult, especially for those of you not in recovery. Not that we're special, but we've had some powerful lessons. It was clear to us and society agreed that we were not aligned and so these lessons continue to improve upon our lives when we can utilize them properly. Uh, uh, Miles, thank you for being here. No problem. How are you? You all right? I'm, I'm doing good. I am doing good. We are, uh, we're going to be talking about learning who you are after knowing who you've been like when you were when you were younger and like the the person you knew who you were when you were an alcoholic when you were using drugs when you, like you were really we we were all really secure in, in 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 that which we were but there is and this is what all this is what this idea of recovering ourselves is all about there's another person in there i remember one time when someone was talking to me early in my sobriety they said when, when I came up with the, you know, the, the, the ever present excuse of if I don't do this, I'm not who I am. Um, yeah. And they said, actually, you're not who you are, but you will be when you stop. Yeah. Right. So can like, and I, and I know you're in this, you know, moving into long-term recovery place. So it's a lot fresher in your mind. Of course, I, I have 20 years, so it's, it's, it, it's fuzzy and it's hard for me to talk about because I have like, bigger kind of abstract ideas about it. So can you talk to us about like who you're becoming and what has brought that about? Okay. So I think, and I know when we, cause we chatted briefly the other day, but I think for me, my, the process of recovery has been about, it's kind of, it's, it's finding my authentic voice and it's becoming the person that I always was um, and it's becoming the person that is my authentic self. I'm listening to my inner voice a lot more and I'm growing into the person that I think I should have been. Now, when I was actively using and when I was drinking, I was playing a role and I was playing a version of myself that I thought the world 
wanted me to be. Now, when if you if you look at when that started, I would say that started at the around the age of twelve and thirteen, which incidentally is when I started drinking. Like back in 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 Leicester, which is in the UK, um, it's probably very similar to America. But we used to go to the local park, you know, steal drinks from our parents, smoke cigarettes, and so you start you learn or you adapt to the situation uh, that you're in. Um, and I think you start behaving in a way which you um, allows you to cope with the situation you're in. So what do I mean by that is like you start drinking and I learnt and I, I observed that basically if you're loud and you're funny and you're the center of attention and you're a dickhead and you're, you're, you're an idiot, you get to kiss the girls, you become popular, you become liked. And so what you start learning as a, as, a, as a sort of a juvenile is that by behaving in a certain way and by running certain roles or certain programming in your own mind, that you are able to function in the world. You have a place in the world. You have a place in the hierarchy. Now, if you look at friendship groups, you know, there's always the tough guy who's the one who fights. There's the, always the guy that's kind of the guy that gets the girls. There's always the guy that's kind of very good looking and all that sort of stuff. And then there's the joker. And I, I, I inhabited that role. Now, alcohol allowed me to be that person. And that's what alcohol and drugs allowed me to be. And, and it's kind of, it was a story and a role that I played throughout my life. And it, right up until the point of recovery. And you don't realize that you are lying to yourself or that you are playing this role or you're inhabiting this role or that this, this defective programming that you've, you've made for yourself is actually running until you finally, finally stop and someone says, have you had a look at the way you're behaving? Had, are you familiar with the concept of ego? Are you familiar with your inner voice? And I had no concept of that, none. And it's mm. only since finding recovery that I've actually started unpicking all that programming all those years of sort of malfunction, all those years of behaving in a way that allowed me to be the person that I thought I needed to be. And that isn't the person that I need to be. You don't have to be that person. However, that manifests itself is, is, um, is my experience. And since recovery, I'm growing in a much more authentic way. Um, and mm -hmm. it's much more, I, I don't know, it just feels a lot more natural. It feels a lot more organic. Let me ask you, where, where, when, before you were 13, before you were drinking, before you were doing all that, did this role solidify itself? Okay, so I think that there's, um, so I've done a lot of work around core beliefs and stuff like that in, in therapy and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've done a lot of work uh, just examining stuff. And I think there was, a, there was a dynamic. And I know everyone has different childhood dynamics. And there's, you know, when you look at people like Gabor Mate and stuff, he says it's childhood trauma that leads to addiction, da, 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 da. So I think um, for me, the dynamic was my mum was, um, she had postnatal depression. So she was very distant. And my dad was very keen for me to be the first person that went to university and all that sort of stuff. But so my mum was very inconsistent with, in terms of affection and love and all that sort of stuff. And my dad was very, um, he was kind of, he wanted to make sure that, you know, always pushed me at playing football or you guys call it soccer. Yeah. Um, always, uh, always pushed me creatively, always pushed me in terms academically. But my mum was always, I would say, was, was sort of offish or she wasn't really 
emotionally engaged. emotionally engaged yeah. yeah and so what the dynamic there is is your primary caregiver who normally would give you love and then your secondary caregiver who's be the father figure when mum isn't giving you it you go to your father and so i the way i got love from dad was by performing achieving achieving, yeah. achieving. so you've mm-hmm. got this achievement dynamic yeah and which has gone into my um and i think fueled a lot of my in later life right. fueled workaholism and mm-hmm. wanting to achieve ambition and there's a different as you know there's there's kind of a different way there's a different engine there's you can be ambitious and have a nourishing engine where you're self-care and all that or you can be ambitious because of it you feel insecure and not enough right and i was fueled by yeah. fear insecurity and that was what was driving my engine and as a result you know i had to take drugs i had to take alcohol to soothe self-soothe to just that. just be there just to be yeah in a space that like like how i see this and 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 the reason i had to go back to that question is because because in your answer in your initial answer you kind of talked about this idea of like oh when i was drinking i learned this and i was like no you learned that before you were drinking and yeah, then you yeah, were yeah. drinking then in order to be that in order to continue that yeah. um and 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 so okay so on this podcast we don't really talk about your backstory i wanted to kind of get that in there cuz now i want to talk about like how how was it when you started questioning that core belief like like how long did it take you to wake up to it how long did it take you to like even accept that you had a false core belief so it's kind of i would describe getting sober and i would describe that process as it's um it's kind of like a domino effect or i would i would describe it as as plaster crumbling off a wall or a, a prison wall like i would describe it as as a prison wall that's it's slow at first and i think deep down there's like a little you know deep down that you're an alcoholic you're an addict you're whatever it is but the denial is so strong and the role of ego in that is the ego is there to protect you and the ego wants you to stay safe and the ego that you've learned in childhood or in your teenage years this this defective programming ca- continues to run and you might be pressing what is it shift alt delete shit off delete right. nothing nothing so however you're locked into this program and i remember it's being slow at first and if you look at my amazon book history about 10 years before i finally got sober there's books like controlling alcohol how to drink safely you know all this kind of stuff so there was obviously something going on there but i think the hardest bit for me was that initial bit was is just the admitting that you are that I tried everything. I, I looked at every possible answer that wasn't sobriety to try and, to try and get, get, you're looking for the escape hatch. There's got to be a way out. I've got, I've got to be different. I've got to be different. I've got to be different. And slowly, but surely you, you kind of tick off all the things that aren't going to work. I tried hypnotism. I tried counseling. I tried all these things and they didn't, didn't quite work for me. Um, and I think, what happens is is that you finally go okay i'm going to have to practice abstinence and that's horrible and that and, and you know and then i went to i went to an aa meeting and then i remember i heard someone's story and i started speaking to people and slowly but surely the crumbling started to happen even more as soon as you've accepted that in my mind as soon as you've accepted that you you ha- you are an ad- addict to whatever it is alcohol heroin 
um, you know, whatever, whatever your poison is, that's when you start the, you start the process of then getting in touch with your inner voice. And it was only by that initial bit where I accepted what I was, that I was then able to turn my, my introspection inwards to see what or who I was. And I remember this sensation when I first got sober of extricating myself from this addiction. And it was the addict self, which I now know is ego, addict, ego, the dark side of me and extricating the inner self, which is probably the inner child, whatever they want to call it, the inner child, the nourishing me, the, the real me, the head God, there's a whatever lot of writing about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the, there's a lot, there's a lot of writing about it. And I just remember this extrication and this splitting of, of, of personalities and, it, and, and me just feeling like I was untangling myself from mm. this and I, a defective programming. And then as soon as you're able to see that and you're able to see what, what's been going on, uh, and this is why I think step four is very good. And I think why mindfulness is very good. And I think that therapy is very good and core beliefs and reading about neurology and reading about psychology and all the things that I did in early recovery, because I was able to actually, that, that extrication became easier and easier and easier. And as soon as you've, you've, you've got yourself apart from that, from that, um, the dark side of yourself, you're able then to start able to listen and you're able to listen to your voice and you're able to engage with your, your voice. And it's simple things like, um, you know, you make to go, Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a party tonight. Do you want to come? And it's like, no, I, I want to stay in and read a book because that's, yeah. that's what I want to do. And it's just having the confidence to say, I'm going to do the things that I like doing from now on. I'm not going to do the things that society tells me that I should do, which is party, be sociable, be all happy listening to you know out clubbing and all this sort of stuff those things that you're mentioning are all things that very well may be what your personality wants like like very well may be yeah. like but 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 the thing is is you were going and doing those things because they were part of your you know like the damaged sort of uh, understanding of who you were yes. as someone who needed to uh, achieve something you needed to achieve something so you had to go to a party and make people laugh you had to go to a party and be the certain person yes that 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 would achieve and that would feel like you would you were gaining so much like you weren't just addicted to drugs and alcohol you were addicted to your like the the stroking of your ego by your achievements through your work and through your parties yeah. and all that yeah, you you become. I think you're right. I think you, you, you. I would almost say that drugs and alcohol are a symptom of the desperate need for validation. That's what it is. It's they are they are symptomatic of a bigger problem, and that is that you need your ego needs validation, and your ego needs validation because you have programmed it to need that validation, and you run that program again and again and again, and I think it's not just. And I, th I don't think it's, and it isn't our fault actually, because society, we are bombarded, bombarded with mm -hmm. these images of successful people. We live in a, in an economic yes. consumer system in which achievement is measured in one way. Yes. And so when you can measure that achievement, and that one way is not in line with the way that we all value life and the, what we value about life. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, what's really funny is it, it's, it remind, I, I, 
it's kind of like every it seems as though society as well is kind of like everyone presents this version of themselves where happy successful you know all this kind of stuff well adjusted and yet really when you actually chat to everyone they don't know what they're fucking doing no one has a clue everyone's scared everyone's got imposter syndrome the only people that don't have imposter syndrome are the people like donald trump and these narcissists and you know these sort of narcissistic psychotic people that um that that don't aren't aware of their their their, their own ego and, and that sort of stuff so it's it's um yeah it's really interesting and i do think I, I you know you can't blame society for everything but i do think the modern world is making things a lot worse in terms of it's making people feel insecure it's making people feel fearful and unsafe and so i think youngsters especially now i'm glad i didn't grow up in with social media which again is is highly toxic in terms of mm-hmm. how it how it informs people about how they should be right and i think what happens is there's this mechanic of young people in their formative years grow up thinking they need to behave and be a a certain way to be validated to have a place in society and everyone finds their route um and i think or they don't ways pardon or they don't or they don't yeah and i think many people end up feeling very happy very isolated very unhappy very isolated as a result of running that programming and i in many ways i feel grateful for the tribulations that i've been through and the the i feel grateful for what happened to me because without hitting that rock bottom without being an idiot you know taking cocaine ecstasy and all the things i did you know going to work on an e rather than having breakfast all the idiotic things that i did i wouldn't be in a place now where i am i am beginning to learn about myself and treat my way in a in a way that's much more nourishing um much more i'm much kinder to myself i feel as though um and as well my anxiety's dropped off as well because i'm just a lot more comfortable in my own skin and i'm i think that's what it is you your your inner self grows and sort of inhabits the body that you're you're meant to have it sounds that sounds like a very hippie yeah no that's all right that's all right it, that's how it feels and I've started reading a lot of philosophy like stoicism and buddhist philosophy and, and going hang on a minute so there's people that have been realizing this for centuries and thousands of years and suddenly why didn't I know about this type yeah thing, you know? this, every generation we learn a little bit more we learn a little bit more we get a little bit better even if that thing that we're getting better at is a negative thing right like we're getting better at addicting people to product and services I agree and stuff. I and, agree I and totally agree. Really when you look scary. at the system, I, I really agree because when you look at the system of, and I often think about this, that we are, the world is addicted to money, or 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 or, or, or capitalism or whatever. It Consumerism, is. I would say, like just so, purchasing, having, yeah. you know, like yeah. more is better, kind of thing. More is better. More is better. And if you look at the way what's happening, if you look at the, if you look at the planet through the lens of addiction. And we are consume, 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 consume. And the body or the earth is just, is, is dying, is dying because of the way we are. And it's the same way an alcoholic can't stop drinking and his liver is in cirrhosis. We're consuming the, 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 um, what, what's up, you know, the minerals and, and all the things on this planet in, in a way that's making the planet ill. And, and you look at society and I do, I genuinely believe it's, it's kind of, it mirrors 
it, it mirrors addiction and it you, oh, yeah. you know and it, it really does and unless we unless we kind of wake up to that and it's really interesting that you're doing a series on that but I, I genuinely believe that there that there is an issue with that and that's why we're seeing the things that we're seeing in the world that we're seeing um but yeah that's it that's a, and we can't and we can't wait for the we can't wait for the medical industry to catch up to redefine addiction you know we have to we have to be able to you know cut these things off at the pass as they say because like if we wait for the medical industry to define it we're going to have another opioid epidemic right like yeah they didn't want to fucking touch that because there was too much money involved so they couldn't you know and so so i want to ask you i want to kind of kind of take a step back a bit when you uh, i want to talk a, a little bit about your experience with abstinence and clarity abstinence and clarity <laughs> like how, how do you how do you see those two um relating to one another so um so yeah I, I remember so i stopped it was actually i was in uh my last drink was on a plane on the way back from new york it was a jfk so it's on the way back from america actually and i remember getting to um terminal five at Heath, heathrow in london and i remember just you know the the sweats and uh, shaky and all that sort of stuff and i I chain smoked um, a pack of ten fags, fags, cigarettes, cigarettes, cigarettes. We know. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, And I just remember, right, that's it. I'm done. And I'd I'd lasted 17 days before that, and then then I'd had a little slip, and then I was done, and then I finally went into AA. And then my first experience was like you described was just it was one of disorientation. One of I remember getting the sweats. I remember getting insomnia. I remember my anxiety was all over the place. My thinking was all over the place. I think the, the new introduction to that whole world of having to go to AA and terminal, it was just, it, I found the whole thing quite, quite overwhelming. I seem to remember. And then yeah, when we're in early recovery, we can't like the littlest thing is overwhelming. Yeah. I've just, it was, I found it quite scary and a lot of the terminology didn't sit with me personally because you know it's old religious sort of stuff and um you know i'm, I'm an agnostic so that was that i found that tricky however and we find any, any any reason whatsoever at that point as well to just be like nope doesn't work for me doesn't work for me yeah <laughs> I've, yeah i've tried to get mates in uh friends of mine in and they, they've kind of just you, you you know let's say the serenity prayer and they've gone like no i'm not doing that i'm not religious you know and, and i think i think in secular circles that that can be problematic but anyway i digress so right um uh so in terms of and then i think i remember it seemed to be about a month and i remember i'd started to clear and then you get the pink cloud and all that so everyone goes oh you you, it will pass the pink cloud and all that sort of stuff and it's like okay yeah fine but i do remember starting to feel as though um that that feeling of clarity and what i what i really enjoyed was the mornings where you would wake up and have a fresh just simple things like the fresh coffee and mornings became a thing that were i really enjoyed the weekends and suddenly the weekends seemed to last forever and so i had a lot more time i had a lot more time to read i had a lot more and so i would say i put down the bottle and started picking up um books and i just inhaled information about my condition inhaled information about anything and everything I could find on addiction. Then I started finding, then I got into fitness and then my fitness went up. So you start eating, you start exercising. And so you've got endorphins and all of a sudden you're outside, you're doing stuff. And so you get this physical clarity as well. And then obviously you start eating better. You're not eating, (laughs) 
cheese for breakfast or you're not eating junk food and you're not, eat, you know, you're not eating crap. And so physically you get better. Uh, and so I think what, what happens is steadily, obviously the body starts to heal, but your mind starts to heal. And then you start, and then, I don't know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of a slow process, but it's, it, and cause I do a lot of trekking. So it's, it's very much like you look back at where you've come from and you realize how far you've come. Yeah. You know, you, you get up a mountain, you look back and you realize how high you've come. And then I, th I think it's kind of, it's slow, but it's, but it's, it's noticeable. You're suddenly, it's like these, it's like these moments of the realization, the blooming obvious. It's like, mm -hmm. Oh, I, I, I haven't felt like, I haven't felt like this. I'm getting up early now, or, you know, I'm going to bed at a reasonable time. Or It's just, it's really weird. Like functioning like a normal adult is suddenly re a real novelty. Just be being yeah. boring is really exciting. Suddenly. Like we have the capability of seeing the beauty in a, in, in what's around us. Yes. And that, that shit suddenly was like just going, wandering around a, a park on a brisk sunny morning and just looking at the birds and just going, and suddenly you're finding you're going, Oh, it really is beautiful and stuff like that. You just suddenly see the beauty. And that was just an, a, a revelation almost dare I say it sort of, you know, like a choral ah, type thing. Yeah. And it was, you know, and suddenly, and then, and then another thing started happening. You start, you start noticing that you suddenly feel not happy, but contented. And there's a difference because I think what addicts and alcoholics do is we chase this, this notion of happiness. And what we do is we, and I, I, this is my theory anyway, when you take drugs and alcohol, you're cheating at happiness. What you're doing is you're just going, turning the dial up to 11 and it's just like happy, 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 happy. But that comes crashing down. I think normal, the normal way of being is you just have this low level sense of contentment and then you do have happy moments, but they're not as happy as <laughs> grammar cocaine and whatever else, you know. Happiness is not any better than sadness. Like, or no. worse, like, you know, it's the same shit. And it's like, we have to realize that we exist in a neutral space. It's not about being like up and down. It's about being not, and, and I would say, you know, if it's a one to 10 sort of thing, it's not about being at five. It's at being six and a half. All the time, just all the time, just kind of like, yeah. yeah, no, it's good, it's good. And you don't have to dip down and you don't have to like go up and down. But before it was like, all right, well, five is the middle. And so we'll go to 11 and then we'll go to negative one. And then we'll go to 11 and then we'll go to negative one. And then we'll go to 11 and, and, and that's your life. Because you have to be like, there, there is balance in everything. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think what I, what I would describe, it's almost... It, the way I, my analogy for when I first got sober was it was like speeding down the motorway with a blowout and losing control of the car and slowly but surely you manage to get, and then you just, you're just cruising and then it's just, it's quite relaxed and it's not, and like you say, it's not, you're not going up, down, up, down, up, down. You, you are, you are at this level keel and happiness is just, it's like, it's a softer, softer yeah. version. It's not, and again, what's interesting as well, we were talking about, learned behaviors and again society teaches us that we're supposed to have these wonderful moments you you're you know your <laughs> hollywood films are you know you get the girl and you live happy ever after we're bombarded with lottery winners you see people we you know entrepreneurs that have, have made their first million by 25 and it's like you see these other people and again the, the other the other problem with with our way of thinking is we we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people so you you that's another thing that's 
you know, I'm not as good as him. I'm not as good as them. I'm not as happy as them. I'm not as that. And so in terms of clarity, that all falls away. It's it basically, it's just a, a, it, a whole load of bullshit just drops off you. Basically. It's yeah. like the millennium Falcon just dropping all that junk before going into hyperspace. You just, it, yeah. it's just, you just, it just drops off you and it's, and to the point where you just go, I can't believe I didn't know any of this. But how how was I so blind to all this? It's it. I don't know. It's, and, it's... and the idea now that you're beyond that of believing it again is almost impossible. Yeah, I, it's 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 it scares. What scares me, and I think I think most people will have this. I have drinking dreams. Mm-hmm. Or using dreams i used to have those up until about year eight or so yeah so i still get them i still get them and they scare me and i'm always relieved when when they're over uh, i'm always relieved when you wake up yeah i don't feel as though i will go back i, mm-hmm. I feel as though that way of th- it's almost and the way i equate it it's almost like you look back on an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend and you go i'm not sure what what was it i exactly saw in that person you know you see them again and it feels like that. It feels like something that I don't want to ever go back to. I don't ever need to go back to. And, and it's, it's, it's a world that I just, it, it, it's not me anymore. So it, to go back would be... Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. It would be almost as difficult in my mind to go back to that as it was to get out of it, if you see right. what I mean. Because yeah. you, you have changed, you, you, you've evolved. Right. We've evolved into people that are in recovery. We've evolved in people that are self-aware now. We've evolved into people that have a level of emotional intelligence. We are in tune with our authentic selves. We can hear, uh, we can hear that voice saying, "I'm tired. I don't want to do that." We can hear that voice saying, "I need to close my computer at the end of the day and not do any emails." We can hear people. You know, you can hear that voice that just goes, "I'm not okay with that person." behaving in that way i'm going to extricate myself from the situation i'm not going to engage in an argument i'm not going to you know you know all those things and that's, that... and that's and that's we're able to do all those things because of abstinence because we're not shutting down and quieting the voices we're not pacifying all of the voices that we're trying to that are yeah. trying to get out yeah beautiful because it's really it's, it's what and because and, uh, you were talking about learning and taught learning and taught it's almost as though what you do is you learn a defective way of behaving you then have to teach yourself the well teaching yourself is key right because we learned by being you know by 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 sitting down and learning from others we learned from other people's actions you incidentally learned from your father that achievement was the key yeah. But he didn't teach you that. There was no teaching you that. You just happened to learn it because your mom was checked out and, and you felt like if you didn't have your dad, you'd go to your mom and she wouldn't be there because she was checked out or whatever. And so you learned all of these things that nobody taught you. And that's why the definition of being like, what did you learn versus what you were taught is really important to kind of di- di- differentiate. And I think, yeah. And I think learning... Right, there's a difference between learning, which and depends on how it like le- all learning can be. It can be um, it can be good or it can be bad. I think that the with addicts and alcoholics, the things we learn in childhood are almost insidious. Whereas I think we have to make a conscious decision to teach ourselves. It's when you consciously teach yourself how to be the person you should be. You want to be. 
yeah, you'd want to be. Right. Um, I think that's when that's when the improvement happens. And I think, I guess what they like in, in recovery circles, they, they, you, you would describe that as the spiritual awakening. I would guess that's, 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 I, I guess that's what I thought. Closest had. thing we got, right? <laughs> yeah. I, there was no, the, yeah, I didn't have a vision of a glowing figure at the end of my bed saying right. you're cured, my son or anything right. like that. But I did feel this, I did feel a weight lifted and I did feel lighter. And I think, you know, and I think we, when we chatted before, I think that there's a difference as well that I think. Um, so when I was when I was in active addiction, my world was incredibly small and incredibly tight and incredibly. Um, I was just very I was very wound up tightly. I was tightly bound mentally in, in mm-hmm. the way I'm. And I think that's the other thing. When you shed all that shit, your world becomes a lot bigger. And so I've gone from being lying on the couch, focusing on the TV on the same 20 minutes of apocalypse now with my eyes closed, just trying to focus on that, on on whatever film I'm watching. And now I go trekking all over the world and I see things and I meet people and I do things and I read things. And it's just, it's, I think that's been my experience of sobriety is that your world opens up as, as you open up, your world opens up and you see things and you meet people and, you know, I'm chatting to a guy who I've never met in real life who lives in Chicago about like, what the fuck, you know, that yeah. would never have, that would never have happened in a million years. I would never have spoken to anyone at all. I would have gone, Oh, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, and that's, you know, anyone that, that, that may possibly challenge our worldview, we keep out. Oh, God, and I mean, yeah. let's, let me, let's talk about Trump. Let's talk about Brexit. Let's talk about all these things that are like challenging people's sense of identity and talking about identity like you are now like on 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 instagram the silver trekker but you're much more than that right like it's not just like that's not a that's not all that you are um talk to me about the trekking and talk to me about how how, what what is the what is the end if there is an end what is the purpose like what have you found in it Uh, and talk to me about that yeah, so I think um, so. Obviously, I got I got I got sober in 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 the rooms in AA, and that was a big part of my sobriety. However, I I also did courses in mindfulness. I did, as I've already covered, I I read a lot of books, and the other big thing was nature. Was getting out in nature and being in nature, and what I found was, and it's not it's not me discovering this. I mean, the Scottish doctors are now prescribing. The mountains as a way of of they're actually prescribing walks in in the in the open air as a way of helping people. They're actually go on Scott, man. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what they're doing. So it's it's a well known fact that pilgrimage or walking or mountains mm-hmm. and nature are, are, are a healing force. And I I went up to an island in Scotland called Sky, the Isle of Sky. Uh, in my first year of sobriety, I, I got like a little cottage and I kind of did a, a little so, solitary kind of escape there and what i found was you know that clarity that we talked about earlier i i I just my my mind and my brain just felt as though it was returning to its natural shape and what i found was the freedom the exhilaration of the views it's just become a massive part of my recovery a huge part of my recovery because i find what i can do you know, two weeks in the mountains or two weeks trekking or two weeks in the wilderness will reset me and recalibrate me in terms of my mental health. Because I think 
you, sobriety is all about looking after your mental health as well. I think that's there's a big part of that. It's not like you just stop drinking, get sober, and that's fine. There's a reason no, why that's you, not the point. The, the, no. the glass of water isn't the point. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why we drank and used drugs and we we're in pain. So you need to you right. need to look at that. So and it it just recalibrates me. And so what I found is that as obviously being an being an addict, I can't do things. I can't moderate really. So uh, I start, I just went, right, I'm going to go to Nepal. I'm going to do the Annapurna circuit. So I did the Annapurna circuit and it was fucking amazing. It was one of the best things I've ever done. I mean, so challenging and just the, the it gives you an opportunity to philosophize on your life. It gives you an opportunity to think about yourself. It gives you an opportunity to really think about what you are, who you are, your authentic voice. And there's so many parallels with climbing a mountain and getting sober and all that sort of stuff. So it just, it's just, it's something that put the zap in me, it put energy in me. And then I've just done more and more of it. I've, I've done, um, I went down to Patagonia. I did Tierra del Fuego. I did the O circuit there. I did El Sheltan. So I've started looking at that. I was going to do the snowman trek, which is in Bhutan. I'm going to, I've done the TMB, which is in France, Switzerland, Italy. And I think it's, you know, it's a cliche, isn't it? That we all, we all kind of put down the drink and drugs and then take up these, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of people that I see that are like into Ironman triathlons or bodybuilding and all that sort of stuff. We, we find other ways. And I think what's, what's remarkable about our the addict mind or our minds is that if you point us in the right direction, we are capable of doing some wonderful things and we are capable mm-hmm. of doing some fantastic things. And for me, so it's just, it's kind of done that. And I've always, I'm, I'm a, quite a creative person. I'm a, I work as a creative director. So um, I work in the creative industries, but photography is just something. And I just, I just thought I was in a place at the start of lockdown. I had all this, all these photographs and a lot of my mates were ringing me and asking me for mental health advice. And I just combined the two. I just thought, sod it. I'll just do, I'll do this sober trekker thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it's just taken off and it's like, I, I get people you know, asking for help and asking for advice and asking for me thing. And then, you know, discussions start happening as a result of just something that I'm saying. And yeah. what I find is, is that, because like we said, not everyone makes it into the rooms because of whatever reason. Yeah. There's a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And so I think people are more and more seem to be look, turning to things like social media for, are there people and there's people like you and there's people and there's a lot of people. There's um, Sober Dave is another one in the UK who just talks about his stuff. Uh, and then there's the Sober Sober Girl Society or something. They're very oh, good. Oh, yeah. The, the, there's the Sober Mom Squad now. And yeah. A bunch of, so yeah. You know, Recovery Rocks and Sober is Sexy mm-hmm. and all these sort of things. And so there's a lot of people that are, are kind of getting out there and sharing their experience and sharing their thoughts on recovery. And I think it's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a leg up, I think, to people. And I think, why do I, why do I do it? Why do I do that? Is because when I first came into recovery, there was a person, there was a, an old boss of mine who was very open about his alcoholism. And I know there, there are people that frown upon that and there are people that think it's a good thing, but I think each to their own. Yeah. And I think um, he was very open. And so because he was very open, I was able to go and speak to him and just say, look, I think I've got a problem. And because he was that lighthouse for me in the storm, I behave in the same way. So I'm very open. So when people ask me to do shares, whenever, you know, I really don't mind doing this because if it means that someone somewhere 
can hear someone talk about it and they because it is a dark place before you get sober that it is a really dark place um, that can be yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, i mean if, if you're if you're if you're in the route to get sober it's dark enough no matter where it is yeah it's 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 tough it's not yeah. an easy it's not no. an easy it's not an easy thing to, to to face uh and so if, if you if if someone's there as who's been through it and supportive and all that sort of stuff i think you know, I think anyway, personally, my personal view is that I have a duty to, you know, help people up the ladder and, and, and get them on the way, because I think it is, you know, um, I think you do, it, it is worthwhile and it is good and, you know, and you, life's changed like you're, I'm sure, you, you know, I don't need to tell you, but you, you, you do, you do, you do get, you do get a better life back and, you oh, know, man. um, yeah, definitely. And you know, I'm always supporting like, you know, recovering from I'm I'm never trying to take that away from anybody. Um, and that is a big deal. Yeah, and I think um I think what's helped me and again, I think this is this and I I, I uh, so I, I mentioned I was an agnostic atheist before. Mm-hmm. So my the whole thing I the way I had to do the whole higher power thing was by having um the wisdom of others. And so what I do now is if, if I, if I need help with anything, I will ask someone who knows more than me on a subject matter. Right. And so that's very helpful. And so the more people I speak to, so right when I was drinking, it was just all in here. It was like, I'm trying to solve it all myself. When you just go, right, I'll ask that mate over there knows much more about buying her, buying a house. I'll go and ask him. And then you're reassured and you know, you can move forward with that armed with that piece of information. That guy over there knows about, um, mountaineering okay i'll go and speak to him before i i go trekking in nepal always put me in touch with all these people and so you're able to do all these things by just simply doing really simple things that seem obvious to normal people completely obvious to normal people and we just and like going back to your thing about you just learn how to do normal things that are beneficial to you and when you do these things life is just a a fuckload easier without without any of the drama it's like again a weight is lifted and that's how i move forward is just by accessing help from other people that know more than me and it's it's no it's accessing the world around you that's it that's it like you are supported it's not like that help is beyond your grasp at any point it is right there for Mm. all of us at any moment maybe it's people maybe it's things maybe it's nature maybe it's whatever but that help is there and we reach for it and it is always there. Yes, very much right? so. Right? And the yeah. idea that, and, and you know, I, I just want to kind of put it that way just because like when you access something, it's almost like you have to make an internal sort of choice. You have to make an internal choice to kind of, to kind of use it, but it's always right there. Mm. It's always right in front of you, and you just have to kind of be open to receiving that. And 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 man, what a great conversation, Miles! Thank you so much. No worries at all, man. I've really enjoyed that. It was really good. Finding those things like our authentic self or our inner self is far from hippy dippy. You see, we're all here to be these authentic, original, unique individuals that we are. Nobody is like you. I know you've heard that before, but it's true. We each have our own purpose, desires, and directions. When you get caught up in doing things that don't provide you with deep fulfillment, when you find yourself escaping or checking out, you're not helping anyone, especially not yourself. You may very well be someone who wants to go to that party that Miles passed on. And if that's the case, you very well should go. 
But if you find yourself saying yes to things you want to say no to, or no to things you want to say yes to, it's time to check in with yourself. Life isn't all or nothing. I would never prescribe you make a choice today that you will never reevaluate. But those are the kinds of choices most of us make every day when it comes to our identities. The more fluid and changing your identity, the more your ability to listen to yourself. If you define yourself as someone who drinks or uses drugs, then when the question, do I want to continue, pops up, your predefined identity will answer that well before you get a chance to process it properly. You can find links to all that Miles is doing in the description of this episode. Please rate and review this podcast and or leave comments for this episode to help me better create helpful content. Support this show at anchor.fm or support me and my work at Patreon, where you can get access to unedited content as well as writings and one-on-one access to supporter group portrait sessions with me. You can also simply Venmo me at martinjohn underscore Garcia. To connect further, I host workshops regularly and take a limited number of one-on-one clients every month. So contact me when you're ready to work together through martinjohn.com. Thank you for listening to the Recover Yourself podcast. And until next time, keep recovering yourself.